This is Steve Balton, and you are turned into My Turning Point, where this week we are joined by Mike Shinoda. I've known Mike many, many years, going back to 2004 with Lincoln Park. Great dude. Really enjoy talking to him this time about some of his favorite comedians, how he got hooked on doing a lot of stuff on Twitch during quarantine, and much more. So I hope you enjoy the interview with Mike Shinoda as much as we did. Thanks. 2020 has been a turning point for everyone in a lot of weird ass ways. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to pick one for this um, year, absolutely. Yeah. Go for it. I, I mean, so, I mean, look, it's like this, we, we could be, um, I think it, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge like all of the, you know, it'd be silly to not acknowledge all of the different turning points that got, um, in the end to a billion views on YouTube and the band to, you know, into people's um, playlists and, and to be able to play the shows that we played and make the albums we've made and all of that stuff. Um, but for the sake of talking about things that you can't find somewhere else on the internet, <laughs> um, I'd say, I'd say for this year, one of the, turning points for me was realizing that as as quarantine and the you know the coronavirus and quarantine and all that stuff started to to happen I feel like the 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 last few years had set me up to be a very aware of mental health and being very aware of my like what what things I'm doing to like keep myself in a good space and and be positive or be productive or just be like you know living life and feeling good about it um and so one of those things was just like starting this i've been you know live streaming this year which sounds almost like stupid i think most of my friends when i say god this live streaming thing i'm doing it five days a week i go from 10 a.m to 1 p.m like feels great. And the very first place they go is like, why? Like why, what's so, what feels great about it? And I still to this day don't really have a great way of explaining it. And they're just like, I don't understand Twitch. I don't, isn't that a gaming platform? I don't understand why getting into a, an extended live stream, which at face value seems boring, why that would like be a, be a smart thing to do, be a fun thing to do, be interesting to you and or anybody else. What is the effing deal <laughs> with this thing that you're doing? Um, so let's talk about it. 
<laughs> so it's interesting for you at what point did it's funny because you say you still don't understand exactly what the appeal is. So at what point did you start to realize how much you were enjoying it though? And at what point did you start to realize that this was not just a like, because it's interesting. I know what you're talking about. There becomes a thing where it's like you're doing stuff because you feel like it's value. You feel like it's good for your career. It's a business thing. And then it becomes something that you realize like, oh shit, I really enjoy this. Like it, Oh it no, there's beyond. no part of like the beginning of starting a channel on Twitch for me that was like, oh, this is good for your career or this is, this is lucrative. I was starting with zero followers. The max followers you get is not like a ton of followers. Like I'm looking at those numbers and I'm looking at like Instagram and I'm going, I should just do this on Instagram live. I've already got all the followers. I'm starting from zero with Twitch. Why would I do it on Twitch? And that was like, that was literally how it started. It was like, this is, that would be stupid. Um, and then I started to do it. So here's, Here's where, here's where the, 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 it all, it, it, when quarantine started to happen and I remember I went, I went, there was a couple days, uh, that week that stuck out to me. Um, I went to dinner with two friends and on my way to dinner, I was super late and on my way to dinner, they were already there and they called me and they're like, okay, we are not sure if we should be at dinner. I was like, why? Um, and okay, so like, I think we've even said this on Twitter. So full disclosure, it was Bobby, Bobby Hundreds and Pete Wentz. So I was meeting Bobby and Pete for dinner and they, I think it was Bobby called me. He's like, I don't know if we should stay here. I don't know if we should go. Should we even be having dinner because of coronavirus? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I heard like that you only, the only, the symptom is like, you're really, you sneeze a lot. Like it's, is the waiter sneezing? I don't know. And he's like, I don't know if that's a symptom. Um, but the guy like coughed a couple times and he said, don't worry, it's not coronavirus. And he made a joke about it, which immediately made me and Pete ner nervous. And I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, does he look sick? Does he he's like, are you feeling like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I, we're already here. We already ordered food. So we ended up, we ended up just doing it. We ended up just eat, rather eating there. And the whole time we like stayed apart, washed our hands a hundred times. Like made, we made the waiter nervous. He didn't like, he was like serving the food from like for far, like staying as far away from the table as possible and like being really careful. Um, and the other thing that happened that week was I went to a, a, a like a like a party. It was like a going away party for somebody, and the the people that owned the company or the building or something requested that nobody hug or handshake or shake hands. And I was like, this is literally a going away party for somebody. These people have worked together for twenty years, um, or forty years. I don't even know how long. So of course they're hugging and whatever. And the fact that like this was starting to be a concern was new. Got home started doing my, like, doing my normal routine at home. And I immediately lost track of days, lost track of time. Couldn't tell, you know, I was waking up at like much later and later, like everything just started to mush together. And I, um, I, I, I decided to start live, like putting some of my things that I was doing in the studio live on Instagram and it felt really good. Like it felt like, Oh, there's people out there. Like we're not afraid of everybody. We're not, I mean, we're all afraid, but 
we're all afraid. And like we have, we're, we have that in common and we want to make, we want each other to be healthy. We want each other to be safe. Like we want to share good information and like weed out bad information. And so it was like, okay, this is, this community, having good community helps. So long story short, I fell into doing Twitch streams weekdays from 10 to 1 for a number of reasons. Well, number one, because I loved the anchor that it put in my day. It was like, this is a thing you do on weekdays at 10 o'clock. Number two, it was challenging and stimulating because a lot of the times my stream, my music streams are dictated by um, fan requests. So the way it works is if you, if you hang out on the stream, you get points. If you collect enough points, you can redeem them for a suggestion of like a type of music that you want me to try and do or a type of drawing or art that you want me to try and do. So those are all challenges and I'll mash them up and do crazy things with them. Like I'll mash up different styles. We can come back to that. But um, it made me appreciate this weird, like I'm one of like a couple people doing this on Twitch. Like there's not really anybody doing what I'm doing. And, and the ones that are, we don't all do it the same. And um, it really like, it turned it from, turned like my quarantine time from like feeling like Groundhog's Day to not only looking forward to the stream, but like kind of being addicted to the stream. Like I love going in there at 10 and doing this thing and seeing where it goes. Like some days it's, it's hysterically bad and other days it's super, super fun. And it goes really well. It's so funny how, you know, but at what point did you start to realize like, okay, wait, this is turning into just something I like doing into an actual album, into a project, you know? And, and it's funny because I, I think, you know, I, I refer to it as both an album and a project because I was talking with G-Eazy not long ago and he's a friend and we were talking about like, you know, he started doing these weird covers of like Dylan and Radiohead and that turned into an album where he's like covering David Bowie and Beck. And it's, you know, it, it takes you out of, you know, stuff that happens during this time feels so different. And in a lot of ways, it's a good different, you know, but it's like you sort of digress from where you were going. Like, I don't know if you had planned on making an album this year, if you were planning on touring, what it was, but, you know, everyone's had to adapt and evolve into, you know, showing off these different sides of themselves. Yeah, I, I just, when, when, it, when, when, people, when people's tour schedules fell apart, and they weren't allowed to like, you know, continue on as planned. Um, I watched a, a number of artists um, panic because they didn't, they didn't have, um, because the things they planned to do, they weren't getting to do. And also because the attention that they were expecting to have from people was going to go away. And all of a sudden they were scrambling to, to grab people's attention in other ways. Like every, all of a sudden every single music artist in the universe had to live stream concerts from their bedroom. And I was like, so bored by that. <laughs> like it couldn't have been stupider to me for everybody to live stream concerts from their bedroom at once. Um, I don't know why I felt that way. I just didn't like it. 
And that's not a knock, by the way. I'm not making fun of somebody. I shouldn't say stupider because I'm not, I don't want to make fun of somebody who just felt like sharing their music because they had fans that expected to come see a concert and they weren't going to get to. But I felt like there were also artists out there who, they, it wasn't that they were, they weren't giving their experience to the fans because um, the fans were going to miss it. They realized they were, they were going to miss the attention and that they want to go out and get attention. And they're using that as a moment to try and, you know, get more eyeballs, which was, that's pathetic. Um, so no, wait, I have to interrupt you. For, I have to ask, were there any live streams you saw that you actually liked? Post Malone's Nirvana one was dope. That was one of my favorite ones. I watched, um, I've caught some of the stuff that Quest Love and The Roots have done. Um, Quest is always like spinning records and stuff and talking about his experiences in the studio or bits of trivia about the artists that he's playing. I love that. Um, mo my favorite things have been like random unknown singers on Instagram, like who just sit down with a guitar and sing a thing and you go, and, and Instagram's algorithm is so good that it knows now that that's what I love. And it just shows me new singers with like, 25,000 followers singing a song with like an, a ukulele. Um, I get a new, I get, I mean, that's my half my feed. It's like that sometimes. <laughs> so wait, who was your best discovery during this time? Is there one best artist that you can- discovery? I mean, I don't want to shout somebody out unnecessarily because the next thing my fans are going to do is like collab, collab, do a song with them. <laughs> and but believe me, like when I hear people, when I hear people that I think are really dope, like I reach out. That's how I ended up doing a remix for with uh, Ren for short is I heard her on a playlist and I was like, what's this girl all about? And she had like no followers. Um, and I, I, I put her on my playlist. I posted it on Instagram. She DM'd me, we started talking and then I made a remix for her. And, and I put that, I did, you know, we, we, we debuted it on my stream on Twitch. Nice. Yeah, I mean, there's still like that feeling of discovery is still a great thing. And I think that it's true. That's one of the things that I enjoyed during this time as well is seeing how people evolve and do different shit. And, you know, that kind of makes it fun. And again, like G and I talked about as well, with you, it's like you get to show a different side of yourself. So, you right. know, I mean, I don't imagine there would have been a point where you would have put out an entirely instrumental album with the exception of one track. Right, 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 right. That's, I mean, I fell into it. This is, these albums... So Drop Frames is going to be the first of, of at least three. I've got two more. Um, I've got the second one done and the third one's in, in progress. Um, and I say in progress because it's like, basically it's just tightening up and mixing stuff that I made on the stream. Um, finding the right tracks and, and organizing them and doing them, you know, and, and, and working out the experience of the record is, is a different process that I don't do on the stream because it's like a little tedious. Um, but certainly it's a thing that I wouldn't have done unless I was in this situation that I'm in right now. It, it, it's also funny because it's clearly not for everybody. I mean, instrumental music is not your way to the, you know, billboard top five. <laughs> um, but anybody who knows my, you know, my discography knows that I've, I've done instrumentals often, you know, on every record, every couple records, there'll be stuff that's 
instrumental tracks and a um, couple, you know, scores and score um, a, 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 a few different instrumental uh, pieces that have gone with film and TV as well. So um, the main thing to me is I just, I feel like there's a poetry to the, to, to the instrumental song that it, it, it's it's it it leaves an uh, uh, an openness and uh, to interpretation in terms of the con the content that is is a lot of fun and I haven't ever done that before on a full length uh, album and then in addition I just I also look at it like you know one of the things that I think makes doing the stream fun is that it's not a barrage of ideas and words the way all of us are overwhelmed with news and people shouting and people dogs barking uh-huh. and, pe- and people demanding attention, demanding your attention all the time. Like I look at the, the streams as a bit of a, an escape from that. And I think the album or the albums are a reflection of the same thing. Chalk, come here. Good boy. So funny. It never fucking fails. I, I could schedule the interview at 10 in the morning. I could schedule the interview at four in the afternoon. It doesn't matter. The mailman's going to fucking come every time we're doing this interview. Come here, boy. You good boy. But you know what's interesting? It's funny because you mentioned the scoring. And, and it's, as you were talking about the streams and the idea of releasing three albums sort of simultaneously or at least within a, a short span of each other, that kind of made me think more of an electronic thing. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you and I have talked where I've watched you speak with Steve Aoki. You know, Aoki and I work together on some stuff. I'm a big fan. And it kind of was in that vein. But what's interesting is, as you mentioned the scores, I, this is probably just on my mind because, you know, yesterday we lost Ennio Morricone, who's maybe the greatest film composer of all time. As you were doing the instrumental music, were there people who really sort of came to you or sort of, you know, influenced you or that you thought about as you were doing more instrumental stuff? I didn't realize until this year how much instrumental music I actually grew up listening to. Um, I think the biggest influences for me in terms of this release, um, my biggest influences would probably be DJ Shadow, Dilla. um, I'll say Flying Lotus, Trent Reznor, and then maybe a little bit of like, like Ratatat and Flume. Um, Like there's like a, you know, there, and there are so many others that I really enjoy listening to that, I mean, I, I, I would like aspire to be as good at sound design as Amon Tobin. Um, I listen to his stuff. Just, I, I, I don't actually listen to it often because I, I find that it like makes me like agitated. And that's so <laughs> remarkable for an instrumental record to like for me to listen to it and just go, I'm so fascinated by the sound of this thing and it makes my heart race because it's so aggressively creative and different, you know? I actually get the same feeling when I'm watching um, orchestral performances too. Like if I go to the Hollywood Bowl and watch the Philharmonic, I get like anxious because there's so much going on and it's so complex. Um, it's hard for me to wrap my like, you know, pop song brain around it. <laughs> Um, 
I do love, I, you know, I, I think one of the ways that I've always listened to instrumental music is when I'm drawing. And I grew up, since I was like three, as you know, I grew up drawing and painting and I went to school for art. And every time I was doing homework, um, I shouldn't say every time, but a lot of times when I was doing homework, I mean, instrumental music is a really great um, companion to drawing and painting because it because it doesn't um, lyrically lead you in a direction. Your mind is free to wander to other things. Um, maybe we need more of that these days. Well, it's interesting because it's funny. Uh, you know, you mentioned Trent, and I, I think he remains sort of the benchmark for being able to meld the two worlds together of like the, you know, instrumental mm-hmm. and the hard rock stuff. And obviously like Lincoln did it quite a bit, but it's interesting now that you've seen, like now that you've explored this more on a record, do you feel like this will remain more of your sort of future work? Cause it's interesting to see how this like, well, you see basically more of a sonic hybrid is what I'm trying to say. Cause it's funny. Cause like Jeezy and I talked about as well, like now that he started doing the stuff where he was singing more and everything, he's like, oh, absolutely. That will stay part of my sort of future work. So do you see it being even more of a hybrid in the future where you create, you know, like when you mentioned Trent, I think of a record like Downward Spiral, which has those like gorgeous instrumental moments and then just the craziest shit you've ever heard in your life, like yeah. March of the Pigs. I always loved, I mean, that era of, of Nine Inch Nails was my favorite era. And I loved Downward Spiral. I loved The Fragile too, which had some really good, lush, instrumental pieces. Um, the, uh, in terms of the effects of this you know, moment on future work, I mean, that just remains to be seen. I'm, I'm very much... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I guess, I don't know, focused on is the right term, but focused on, um, going where the wave takes me. And, and in saying that, I think it's almost, um, what's the word? Like, I, I, I just feel like it's incorrect because I'm not focused on it. it to be, to be, to be truly, in tune with letting like momentum lead you, then you need to be not focused. You need to be not trying. You need to be not for p- pushing anything in any direction. Right. So I, I think I, I'm hopefully in tune with that, that attitude and just letting this be a period of exploration and experimentation and learning. Cause the more I already have my, you know, 10,000 hours in the studio. I don't need more experience like turning knobs. I do get something out of the like exercise and the, the muscle, the, the creative muscle building of doing it regularly and, and being, being basically, um, tasked with coming up with, with creative solutions every single day. Um, like the fans will, will throw different musical um, challenges at me on the channel and I'll grab different ones and mash them up. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, these fans have saved up points. They've redeemed them for musical suggestions and they want to hear. And I've, I pull them out of a, of a, out of a bowl and the, the ones that I pull out by chance oh, could be like Bollywood hip hop, um, video game score music, Michael Jackson, 
you know, thriller era pop and melodic metal. And please take those and mash them up. You know, it's so funny. Are you a big stand-up comedy fan? Yes. Well, it's interesting because as you're talking about this, it's like it reminds me so much of the idea of improv. And just when you go to a freaking club and someone yells shit out from the audience and you're like, oh yeah, like you've got to yeah, do yeah, a yeah. So it, it's interesting because I, I remember, I, you know, I've interviewed a, a few comedians over the years and I remember talking with Eddie Izzard about it and, you know, the similarities between like jazz, for example, and stand-up mm. comedy. So as you were doing this and, and watching this, are there any comedians that sort of came to mind or that you think about, or even now that you look back on it, you're like, Oh yeah, that guy's been, cause I mean, to me, I'm sorry, there's never been a better improv guy in the history of the world than Robin Williams, whether you're talking yeah. music or improv or any, like anything, you know? So what you're talking about is kind of cool because it is, it, it kind of combines multiple art forms. Yeah. I don't know who it would remind me of. It's funny is when it comes to comedy, I really gravitate to the like John Mulaney, um, Mike Birbiglia. Uh, I mean, not that they're similar in tone at all, but certainly, and like Hannibal Burris, like it's a scripted and rehearsed and, and meticulously crafted comedy like Mike if, if you know if you don't know do you know Mike Birbiglia's stuff yeah like Mike's a it's a it's a Broadway one-man show of a comedy show like it is so meticulously written and performed to the mill it feels like the the milliseconds are measured you know and every pause and every word is perfectly crafted and delivered to me, to me. I, I'm no, I'm no expert, but I love, I love listening to it. Uh, I've seen him a few times in, in, in person and in, in, you know, in concert. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like, it's, there's certainly a big, that's, I feel like if you're making, making a, you know, connection between that and music, to me, that feels like the album with the vocals and the production and the craftsmanship and the whole nine. And this is like very much the, you know, um, the like surprise appearance at the, the comedy club downtown where nobody knows you're coming and you show up and try out new material and go, okay, like, I don't did know you, how this did, is going to work. Did you watch Dave Chappelle's 846 on yeah. Netflix? Yeah. yeah. It, as you're describing that, it reminds me exactly of that. It's just like, you know, I just got shit to say. I'm going to get up there and do it, you know? Right. And it's funny because 846 was in, a, in many ways, wasn't even really comedy. It was right. brilliant. But yeah, so I know exactly what you're saying. I know we're going to have to wrap up in a minute, but it's funny because that's going back to the film score thing for a second. And, mm. you know, because again, I've watched like everyone in the world, a shit ton of stuff during yeah. this period. And yeah. so I just finished watching Twin Peaks, The Return, which was incredible. Mm. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What, what for you as a, as a, you know, now that you're exploring more, composing what would be like your dream project to score with to score like in terms of a um either a film or director to work film? with yeah either like a, an existing thing you know and of course there's so many ways to now get into existing shows already or if there's a director that you would just love to collab with besides johan of course because you know you got to say joe um i've always been a david fincher fan you know trent reznor aside um I just always thought his work was so thoughtful and, and, um, 
the tone, like the tone he strikes with with this ten, the tensions and the types of stories he likes to tell and the treatment of the visuals and everything. I just really, it's really just has always been a, like most of his work gets me. Um, uh, so in terms of a, a director, I think that's kind of the, the, the area, like the, the stylistically, that's where I, I land. Um, but I do love other things. Like I, 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 I've always been an anime fan. Um, and that's, that's tricky because, you know, my, my, the stuff I write doesn't always fit into that type of thing. And then when somebody takes an anime and tries to remake it or tries to like do a live action of an anime, it usually sucks. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, like maybe someday they'll make a, a version of, I mean, I heard they're making Akira. I'm, I'm not holding my breath. So what's the timeline, by the way, for releasing the next two projects? I'm trying to get them out uh, a month apart from one another. So about a month for the next one and a month after that for the one, the third. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Nice. What do you want to add? I did not ask you about. Um, I think we talked about, I think we talked about everything. Hopefully in 2021, we'll actually be able to see shit live again. I mean, that would be great. Cool. Take right, it easy, Steve, thanks very much, man. See ya. Bye. All right, bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you have been here on My Turning Point with special guest Mike Shinoda. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the interview as much as we did. See you soon. brought to you by Hyundai and the 2022 Tucson and Santa Fe plug-in hybrid EVs. Learn more about the widest range of electrified vehicles at HyundaiUSA.com. If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.